Welcome to the Marketing Stir Podcast by Starista, probably the most entertaining marketing podcast you're going to put in your ears. I'm Jared Walls, associate producer and Starista's creative copy manager. The goal of this podcast is to chat with industry leaders to get their take on the current challenges of the market, but also have a little fun along the way. In this episode, Vincent and AJ catch up with Aaron Bolshaw, VP of Marketing at Safety Chain Software. He recounts his start at Omaha Stakes, shares his thoughts on the power of webinars in the current climate, as well as the challenges of supporting the food and beverage industry during the COVID outbreak. AJ tries to watch an episode of Too Hot to Handle, and Vincent reaffirms his love for The Bachelor. Give it a listen. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's Vincent Petrofessa. You know what time it is. It is another episode of Starista's The Marketing Stir. Again, Vincent Petrofessa, the, I am the Vice President of B2B Products here. Starista, as you may or may not know, identity marketing company. We help marketers get new customers, provide data solutions. So please, if ever interested, uh, hit me up. If ever interested in becoming a guest on this podcast, it's not easy. There is some, there is some uh, review that goes on there, but if you are lucky enough, you could be on this podcast too. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, with me as always is my co-pilot, the CEO of Starista, Mr. AJ Gupta. What's going on, AJ? Hey, Vincent. Well, I am safe and alive, which is a great thing these days to be. So all all is well here. Uh, things in Texas are not great. We're still all working from home. But uh, overall, uh, I think uh, we're fortunate that everybody in Starista is uh, healthy. Yeah, that is great to hear, uh, especially in Texas, San Antonio, where you, you're located, our headquarters is located. There was some promise there. The, your governor, hey, let's open everything. And everyone was happy. There was a, a time where the office, everyone was going to come back into. And then there was a pump the brakes sort of thing happening. What's been going on? Yeah, so I think uh, there was an over-eagerness to open everything, including uh, bars and dance halls. And, uh, you know, the Texans love their two-stepping. So uh, we, we're in a position now where things, uh, so all, all the bars are closed again, which is, uh, which is great. Uh, restaurants are going back to uh, 25% capacity, which is where it should have been. So I think we're trying to correct uh, some steps. Luckily, Texas does, uh, San Antonio in particular, has a great healthcare system. So we've been able to meet the uh, challenges. So I'm hoping everybody follows uh, good good hygiene and washes their hand and wears their face mask. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and, and as the listeners know, I'm in New York City and New York City is looking promising. You know, walking around the streets, there's people, the restaurants are open as far as serving some food out of their like front window, outdoor seating, people are distanced, they're wearing their masks. I think waiting was the right thing to do. So let's hope that stays that way, but it's kind of been, it, it's been pretty good to see some normalcy while walking the streets of New York City and Manhattan. But enough about Manhattan, enough about me. AJ, we've got 
an old friend. He's not old, but he's an old friend of ours. Uh, We go way back with this next guest. I had the pleasure of speaking on a panel with him recently. Would have been awesome to see him in person. But we have him here today on the Marketing Stir. Please, ladies and gentlemen, welcome the Vice President of Marketing at Safety Chain Software, Mr. Aaron Balshaw. What's going on, Aaron? Hey, Ben. Say, AJ, how are you guys doing? Great. Excellent. Great, great. I'm back in my office in New York City here. That was a decision that I made, and it's been great. There's really no one else around me, which is why I'm able to scream like a madman, as I normally do. But it's been great. How's everything with you? Yeah, it's uh, similar. You know, I'm joining you from my uh, from my backyard in the shade. So you know, working from home as well here out in uh, California. So, um, uh, and things are looking well. You know, our business is up. Um, uh, I'm on a great team. Uh, you, you know, as marketers, you, you you always hope and and pray for a couple of key things: a good team, right? Good leadership team, uh, a great product. Uh, right. And then uh, some some fun in there. And I've got the trifecta. That's awesome. And, and you know, you're at Safety Chain Software. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. You've been there. Uh, it's, a, it's a new endeavor for you. You, you got right into it and uh, thrown in, especially during this time. I want to hold that for a moment. But I just we always like to ask our guests, Aaron. You know, I, I, how did you get into marketing? Like how did, you know, you're a vice president of marketing. Oh, yeah. You've been at that position at, uh, you know, few companies uh, now. Was that, was that always the dream? What, you know, uh, what, yeah, what, uh... yeah. <laughs> it kind of was actually. So I, I started out on the revenue. I've always been in revenue, uh, but I was in sales for like 10 years. My first job was uh, unbeknownst to me at the time, an illegal telemarketing job. I was, um, I got quite worried the second week I was there. Uh, I was just calling very elderly people and I, I just got really, you know, my gut, it was hurting. So I left and about a week later, the FBI busted this place. So uh, and I, I found myself on a straighter uh, track on the sales side for quite some time. Ended up at a company called Omaha Steaks, who is um, a master at direct marketing, uh, uh, like to a degree where I, I, I still look back and feel fortunate that, uh, I was able to cut my teeth in marketing there. So I worked in sales at uh, Omaha Steaks, then moved over to Omaha Creative Group. That's where I cut my teeth, as I said, on on the marketing side. And I was starting to run email and direct ma- uh, marketing for our retail stores around the U.S. And this is, you guys, I'm going to date myself, right? You said earlier, Vince, that uh, I'm an old friend. It's I'm an old friend and, yeah, just old, getting there. <laughs> so, But uh, I was, uh, you know, running these uh, uh, marketing programs for the retail stores uh, around the U.S. and just I got I just got hit with it. It was really fun putting these packages together, putting an email together. You know, this is back when <clears throat> you'd send a, an email and it was just an image, right? That wouldn't even get through spam appliances <laughs> nowadays. And it would have an offer code on it. And I would see the traffic go into our stores over the weekend and paf. $30,000 in revenue. And so I, I got hooked, right? Like this demand gen thing, I really, really started to uh, uh, really take on. And then I moved to a large insurance company and marketed a couple of group products. That was my first foray into uh, B2B on the, the B&B, uh, excuse me, B2B side. Um, and, you know, following a few years there, 
Uh, I learned I don't like to market paper. I mean, that's basically what insurance is. Um, good on you if you're out there doing that. Uh, wasn't my cup of tea. Um, and I had an option in front of me. I had a couple of options to go to the uh, nation's largest uh, privately owned bank and run a couple of products there. Or this unknown, no website, no customer, no anything uh, tech startup, right? Transportation tech startup. And uh, I rolled I rolled the dice looking back at that now I, it it was a pivotal moment but that's really when I started down this uh the startup the the tech side and and what brought me to where I'm at now and um yeah a lot of hand wringing at that job right so uh I I believe uh we might have ha- had our first instance of talking with each other AJ back then might have been might have been there but this is a long time ago right so but three years later at that, we had 24 million ARR, very viable transportation tech, tech company. It went on to sell, you know, for a, a hundred million a couple of years later. But I, tr- I sort of parlayed that experience uh, with marketing automation and building databases and really just email marketing, all my like sort of strong suits uh, into a position. I actually ended up moving out to California uh, several years ago with the family uh, and started to work at a marketing automation company running demand gen and uh, email programs and all sorts of fun stuff. And that was an absolute roller coaster wild ride. It was my first, you know, uh, VC funded um, uh, a company, which is, you, you both know, that's a very different uh, beast to, to saddle up and jump onto. Um, and yeah, just had a lot of fun there. Another, you know, a lot of more success. Uh, some Inc. 500s uh, positionings there. Uh, and I just kept parlaying that into um, more leadership roles. And that's really where I find myself now, which is, you know, uh, I've got three or four Inc. 500, 5,000 um, companies under my belt across HR tech, MarTech, FinTech. Uh, I kind of feel like a, met, a mutt sometimes, but, uh, <laughs> uh, 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 and I find myself here uh, at Safety Chain on their leadership team. And it's been, uh, it's been fantastic. Yeah, Aaron, I uh, remember, I think we met uh, when you were at uh, Acton and we mm-hmm. were still in kind of the uh, early early days of uh, Starista as well, still refining our product. So it's uh, definitely uh, uh, makes us all feel a little older. <laughs> <laughs> it certainly does, but it's so, it's so refreshing to see you uh, I, I'm a fan. I, I follow you guys fanatically on on social media and stuff. I really really appreciate one the uh, sort of the philanthropy that you've got sort of instilled in your company there at Starista and just the cool stuff you're working on too, right? Because uh, at the at the end of the day, I'm still uh, kind of a geek at heart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, thank you. We uh, certainly appreciate the relationship we've had with you and others in uh, kind of that time frame who uh, signed up with us uh, early on and have uh, stayed in uh, touch. So what's kind of, Aaron, uh, you, you know, you work with a lot of data providers. So what are some of the challenges and uh, some of the tips you have for companies that they should avoid in a uh, bad data provider? Yeah, it really depends on sort of what volume you're dealing with. So I would uh, preface this with a little bit of context for for the listeners to to say I was I found myself at a a position that had a very well understood goal of growing the database um, at a astronomical level. I, I 
I looked at it when I first got there and I was like to my CMO, I was like, you want me to do what? How do you even do that? Like, so we had probably, oh, I, I forget if it's 70,000 or 700,000. We had a, a reasonable size, size database. And in my tenure, I grew it to 7 million records. So um, that's a big, big cheeseburger bite to like try and stuff in your mouth. And so what I found was some some uh, tricks that I needed to develop along the way. One, there's so many data providers out there. I needed to be able to weed out the the the, the bad guys because there are some bad guys out there. Um, uh, you know, previous uh, our our relationship started there. It was just immediately I understood you guys were all all up all in uh, a great provider. But I had to develop new processes of intake on those. Um, on the the data acquisition and and any of the jobs that we would do, uh, I had to make it a, a single turn style uh, method. So what that means is I couldn't lit I, I just couldn't handle multiple acquisitions at one time, and so I had to line up vendors sort of through the week. So so think of it like you know when you're doing like your content or your media uh, plan or or maybe your campaign planning, and you're looking out like three months. I was doing that for data providers <laughs> uh, because I was consuming so much. Okay, so I had to do that, um, and that proved pretty fruitful because I didn't want to repurchase records. I didn't want to do that, so I had to have a really clean um, suppression list. I needed to start doing some automation on the data side, and I uh, was uh, fortunate enough. I found a, a gentleman, uh, Al Troxel. He <laughs> actually built the California Lottery database. No kidding, and and I was like, oh, you're hired. <laughs> Come help me, please. Uh, and so I had a lot of help um, and a great team to to support me. But um, you know, it was it was a lot about um, making sure your data is clean, making sure you you have a comfortability with it before pressing send on that email because we don't want to burn IPs. We've got to be diligent as marketers so that we're not ticking people off. Because the last thing you really want to do is have that first brand impression be a bad one. Right. Um, and I even had to uh, develop a method by which to assess the the um, the ROI of individual uh, vendors of data suppliers, because, again, how would I know who I should go for more of right or less? Um, and so I had to develop a uh, SRL ratio, uh, sales uh, sales ready lead ratio based on the automated programs that I built. So. You know, I learned a ton, AJ. Um, a lot of it was just on the backs of just, you know, one, being in a, a company with a culture that that favored innovation uh, and speed and bias to action, right? Like they gave me the ability to say, Aaron, build what you need and and tell us what else you need if you need to. And so I was able to build this system that um, at the end of the day, I would, uh, you know, line up the the data, get them ready to go. And I already had automated lead. This is actually when, um, I don't know if you guys remember, but uh, email nurture programs, you know, some people call them drip programs, but I think that always sounds kind of gross, kind of like nasally, like somebody's got a cold <laughs> drip program. Uh, that, those in marketing automation systems were really just starting to uh, come come online. And so I built this big one and, and then built another one. And at the end, I, you know, I had a few dozen automated programs built out across top of funnel, middle of funnel, bottle of funnel. So you had to kind of work with all those um, different, and it's all automated, right? So how do you know how well a data provider is doing? Uh, key, I would recommend anyone, if you've got your Salesforce or your HubSpot, if you've got a, um, a uh, you could create a field do so in your database and and please call it original data source. 
link up your forms. If it's a form on your homepage, make sure that that original data source populates home home you know your website or something like that. If you're if you're acquiring data, do that. If you're doing a third party email and it's through this media company, make sure that when you get the data in your uh, system, tag it, just stamp it, put a tattoo on it. Where did that come from? And that's going to unlock that ROI by um, by uh, vendor. And what I ended up doing, AJ uh, and Vince, is uh, I ended up, because of the volume, um, uh, I would snap the chalk basically at 30 days, 60 days, and 90 days. So when I would pull um, new data in to do the automated programs, I would take a look at how many per 1,000 records converted into a lead that sales was calling, right? That we'd already, you know, hey, you let the met the lead score, you've got, you know, uh, the, the qualifications necessary for somebody to spend time and call. All of that was going on. That was there. But I was able to say at 30 days, how many out of a thousand uh, records was going into um, uh, sales hands. And that was immediately the way we, we started um, operating our business as far as um, who we wanted to get data from. And that, that right there alone uh, pulled me back to just about six to 10 vendors. So it, it was a wild ride, though, um, rife with uh, some some really bad stories, <laughs> too. <laughs> a lot of learning, a lot of learning there, I should say. Lots and lots of it. Yeah, no, it's uh, great. Uh, every time I've talked to you, uh, you've always been a fan of learning and improving your processes. And Aaron, you know, that I want to talk to you about your your current role as well. You're, you're and I'm the data work that you're doing now, that was some data work that you've done in the past and you obviously yep. know the importance of data. Safety chain. It talk to me about that because you're one of those few industries, you know, in plant management platform, the software, you know, supply chain that's kinda you're busy. You're busier than ever. <laughs> right. Yeah. So yeah. Talk to me about the new company that you're at, what okay. you're doing and how you're your world has been the last six months. Yeah. Oh, exciting. So I started in January and within the, you know, so if you think about it, my first couple of weeks, we did a, a, a company all hands. We flew everyone in and did a kick, you know, a company kickoff. Great time meeting everyone. Um, and, uh, you know, a couple of weeks later, just getting after, you know, drinking from the fire hose. I've done this before, uh, taking on a new team. Uh, uh, the, the president, uh, who's a, a great guy was handing me the reins of, of, of marketing, um, t showing all this stuff like this and then bam, COVID hits. Right. And so not only am I still technically onboarding, figuring out a product, figuring out our, our personas, our differentiators, our competitors, just doing all of that. Then this massive crash hits us and our company, um, safety chain is the, the number one plant management platform. And, and we improve yield, maximize productivity, ensure compliance for CPG companies, but we're really hot in the food and beverage space. Like, so if you're making, um, food, we are driving the, the software actually runs the safety programs uh, and the compliance and, and production uh, management side of your operations, right? So, and everyone's got their hand, you know, as they should be, uh, government regulations and, and client uh, compliance. Everyone's got their hands in making sure that the food that you're manufacturing is safe to eat, right? So early on, it was like, wait, you know, is COVID, can it be contracted from the work surfaces? Can we, you know, all of this stuff just starts to blow up. 
And so we're, we're helping our, our customers. Our customers are coming to us going, help, right? Uh, they needed a lot of help. Well, at first it was sort of a shock to the whole system, but our customers are, you guys, they're, they're the ones you've seen in the, the headlines, you know, where the, the plants have, have gotten sick and, and, and the president stepping in and making it, I mean, it's been unlike any other time to market, to sell into. Uh, it's no one's prepared for this. Not a marketer on earth could say, oh yeah, I've, I've done that. Nope, no one has. This is new. And so we had to kind of make it all up as we as we went along. But we are fortunate. We, you know, we're pretty recession proof. Uh, so we've been growing uh, through this. How how has your marketing changed? Is it kind of like, well, you're, you know, no one is maybe this. Uh, I'm so busy, I can't market. But how has it changed in the last six yeah. months? Yeah. So uh, we did some different stuff. Uh, you know, I, I went to the leadership team and and remember, I'm new, right? Like I have nothing to stand on, but, uh, you know, a couple of months of, you know, working long days. Uh, and I suggested, hey, guys, I think I think we need to, to do some earned media. And, and we actually went out and um, hired a, a PR agency and, and, and started to do that side because uh, we needed to get, we wanted to set up the second half of the year. We didn't know if people would freeze buying. We didn't know if our customers would like go radio silent because they're, they're working 14 hour days, all that. And so what I wanted to do was um, take advantage of the headlines, right? A little bit of trend jacking, if you will, uh, but in a respectful way, we were very adamant. We needed to make sure it was a positive tone. It wasn't fear laced and fear induced, right? Our our stories. Um, we needed to be the 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 other part of it is we needed to put the light on the hero as the people that were working in these plants, not us. We like it. The storyline shouldn't be safety chain saves the day. It's more like you know this company is operating they're making sure we've got food in our tummies and safety chain kind of helps them do that right so um we did we did some uh, earned media we also went heavy heavy we're we're fortunate to partner with some uh fantastic uh, uh consulting groups the atchison group is uh one that comes to mind and we own a property called fisma fridays fisma is just a fancy terminology for food safety modernization act it's you know think about the the government regulation side of all that um and we had a great success because all we were doing is every other week, we usually do it once a month. We, we doubled our production of these webinars. And I'm not kidding. You guys, we did so well. We had uh, we broke GoToWebinar <laughs> uh, several <laughs> times. Uh, uh, and we had to, you know, we went well past our 1,000 people actually live on it. We had, you know, I think we're up to 6,000 registered for FISMA Fridays. Uh, I've never seen, this was what shocked me, the, by and large, the personas in the food and beverage, the CPG space, the folks that are running the operations in the plant and running the safety operations and stuff, they're very open to learning. They want to know what's going on there. They're, and, and there wasn't a clear voice out there. So we provided that. Um, and so we did, I, I'm not kidding, we, we did so well through this time because we were just providing thought leadership. And it was really hardcore. It wasn't like three tips or, you know, five myths. It was, here's what the USDA said. Here's what to do in your plant. Here's what we think about that. And here's what's coming up next. You got to be ready for it was powerful thought leadership. And so we, we really, we, we, we leaned heavily into that and it worked, uh, it worked very well. 
Um, and then the third side I think that we really had to adjust for was just our tone, our overall tone. And this goes beyond just the marketing emails and the titles and the H1s we put on web pages and all that kind of stuff. It went into our BDR team. I've always advocated, guys, if you have a BDR team or if you call it uh, SDR team, whatever your acronym is for that rep that call, you know, does the qualification, sets an appointment for your quota carrying rep, right? We work really closely with these guys. And they were, think about that for a second. Calling into a plant who people are getting sick. You're fearful that you're going to get sick. Every news story in America is blaring the fear factor because that's what's selling, you know, uh, vacuum cleaners these days uh, or whatever else the, the ad spots are. And, and we had to interrupt them because we had to keep going. We had to keep selling, right? At this time we were like, well, are we going to, how are we going to do? <laughs> um, so we changed the tone of the conversation drastically. And uh, the CRO, uh, Noah, great guy, he actively coached the BDR team and the, and, and the, the, the sales team to just sit back, relax, take a more empathetic approach than ever, listen harder, uh, let these people um, talk about their fear, let them, let them get it out of their system um, to gain the trust because we didn't know if like everything was going to freeze and, you know, it was just hard. And so I think those three things were the biggest changes. Um, oh, and, and I forgot to tell you, we, we repositioned the entire company and redid our website during this time as well. <laughs> just, just, a, just a few things. Wow. Talk about getting, getting thrown in, right? Wow. <laughs> it's like, oh, hey, Aaron, this is what you have to do. Oh, and you have to do it during like the worst pandemic since like the Spanish flu of 1918, yeah. right? So it's uh, wow. And a couple of things you, you mentioned there and I, at the SDRs, that's a, a great, great advice. I mean, Extrarissa just started uh, building out an SDR program just to let more people know about our wonderful products and services. Yep. But let, let's talk about webinars, right? Mm -hmm. Webinars yeah. before we're like, all right, I guess I'm going to go to this webinar. I don't know. But I think, you know, several thousand people attending yeah. a webinar. But, yeah. you know, that's amazing in itself. But I think the approach, and this is great for all the marketers uh, who listen to the podcast, is that the empathetic approach, yes, you know, do it the right way. A lot of people out there are like, how could we help? It's like, all right, man, like, you don't know me like that. What do you mean? Watch my kids. You could watch them for a few hours so I could finally watch that Netflix special that I wanted to watch. Like, that's how you could help. Or but, The Bachelor. Or The ba yeah, the Bachelor <laughs> from the last episode. It's a great, Bachelor's a great show. I'm a big fan of The Bachelor and The Bachelorette uh, and Bachelor in Paradise, if you're listening out there. Uh I'm married and I'm in my 40s, so I could never be on that show. Anyway, but <laughs> dare to dream at one point. <laughs> but but Aaron, it's you know it, it's what you said. It's it's not seven myths to defunct. You know, uh, but it's it's no, it's it's thought leadership. This is how we can help. Yeah. You know. Now, talk to me about you know there, that's webinars. That's obviously virtual. That's on demand. You and I recently spoke at uh, the B2B Ignite conference and it was great. It was virtual. It would have been awesome to see you in person. I th I personally thought we would have gotten, I thought I would have met way more people obviously in person, but I think the virtual event it was done as best as it could be. 
Yep. How are people going to be utilizing webinars and virtual events in the future? And you think they're they're here to stay? I would imagine. Yeah, that's it's interesting. You know, I I, I thought of this uh, on a couple of weekends when I've got a a, a beer in my hand. I'm just kind of you know relaxing and taking a, a bigger, broader uh, sort of view of, of what's really happening in marketplaces and and. It's virtual. Everything's virtual right now, but it's, um, so it's really hard. Uh, so there's, you know, I, I thought of this a couple of times, like, wow, who, how bad would it have been? And I knew some colleagues that had this going on. Had you just launched a big, like, uh, out of home, like campaign, right? Like your billboard on 101, like no one's driving to work, yep. they, you know, all of those dollars are wasted. So everyone's scrambling to get to webinars. I think, um, they're, they're, because they're going to get more cluttered, you, you know, because you got to reach people where they're at and they're inside their homes right now in front of a web, you know, in front of their screens, right? So you got to try and get them there. Um, so the engagement factor has to be really high. And, and so, you know, if you are doing the 101s and stuff like that, I would consider, I, I, just think about it if you are, if you're listening to this and you're about to do a webinar and it's, you know, the five myths, um, put yourself in that audience member's shoes, right? In their seat. Did they want to sit through a half hour or 45 minutes of five minutes? Or can you quickly package that up as an infograph and get it to them with just as much ease? You know, you got to honor their time and, and create stories with your webinars. Don't just talk about what's going on. We're, we're fortunate. If you're in any kind of a, um, a software space or B2B space where you're, you're, um, you know, consulting or whatever it is, where it's heavily regulatory sort of laden as, as the food safety is, right? Uh, get, get nerdy, get really specific, get your, this is exactly what just came out. This is what's going to happen next. We've got paid campaigns running right now because um, a, uh, one of the bodies that kind of oversees some of the certification stuff uh, came out and they just said, Hey, we're going to change this. Cause we've got to, we got to be able to do these audits instead of on site. People aren't going to food site plants right now. You can't get in those places. Right. So how do you audit to make sure that they're doing the right stuff? Well, they're doing them virtually and they're doing them remote. Well, guess what? Safety chain does that like in, in spades. And so we've, we've leaned into that regulation, but in the webinars, be be more instructional. Be very um, careful not to just ride on highfalutin ideas. Make an impact on the the on that day, right? What can you help them do today? And that's when they're going to show up. Um, and then when you're promoting them, oh, this is where it gets good. You have to get out of just the email. You know, we're going to more partners now, saying, "Hey, can you put something on your website? This is good for you too." right? Can you put a little ad out there, a little display thing? We're going a lot more into social media now. We're, we're capturing eyeballs in social media. You guys, I, think about it. You're at your home all day. It feels like you're living life at work now. And so you're going you're gonna to run out to your Facebook, your Instagram, your, you know, your LinkedIn, and we're going to target you there. Um, so we're doing a lot of sort of cross-channel promotions and having good success uh, with that. But you have to have a pretty strong data play to be able to sort of execute at that level. Fortunately, I, I did show up uh, and I've got a, a person on the team here at Safety Chain, Ann Grace. She's phew, awesome. She's uh, great with data, gets the, the but gets it, <laughs> knows how to, knows how and where to find eyeballs. So uh, she's been great too. I, I would say, you know, to, to just summarize, make it great content. Don't just, you know, the high level stuff, get, get deep 
right? Get, uh, uh, make an impact on their day to day and you'll get through. Great, great advice, Aaron. You know, inspired by Vincent, I started watching this uh, Netflix dating show, Too Hot to Handle. And, <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, it was. Uh, I could only get through a couple of episodes. Uh, I just don't have uh, Vincent's uh, taste in uh, dating shows, I guess. That's so. a knockoff. That's why. That you're watching a <laughs> fake version of The Bachelorette. <laughs> Oh man, it's a bachelorette, but it's just like you know, it, it's like uh, that that black and white version of the label of that. You know, if it's you, you know your your beer, it just says beer on it. No frills version, <laughs> and no frills version. No wonder it's not entertaining because if it was the bachelorette, you'd be hooked. You'd be asking me about season seven anyway. That's you know, it's like quite a few characters in that show where they're saying, "Well, I'm not very bright, but I'm very hot." So I I, I sleep with a lot of people. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> oh boy! Yeah, but uh, I I do appreciate their self awareness, so that's great. Uh, Aaron, what's kind of uh, for a company that is uh, trying to do demand gen? What's the size of marketing teams that you see that somebody needs to do an effective job, and what are some of the key components within the team, the key functions? Yeah, uh, at the scale at which we're trying to produce pipeline, um, uh, so that's one of the main KPIs that that I keep laser focused on, right? Which is uh, how many deals were opened up in a quarter and what was their value, right? So w- when you focus on that, and we've uh, you know we're stretching this year, we know we can't because we've got a great product, right? We've got great teams to execute. Our customer success team, our implementer, everybody, it, it, it's very rare. Um, I, I'm very fortunate to be where I'm at. I'll just say that. Um, the, the size is, um, generally speaking, I've, uh, I'm usually around about 10 normally, right? But it's just changed in the composition a little bit. I've got two on staff and a, a stable of contractors, right? That is a challenge um, because it's it, it it's it's the collaboration across the world now. Okay, uh, we have some offshore, we have some onshore, all of that kind of stuff. But um, so the collaboration is really key. You have to have your processes right when you set up a campaign and you get it out the door and you do promotions and all of the the landing pages that you need and the forms and this and what happens and the emails. All of that stuff has to be really tightly orchestrated, and it can if you get pretty good processes in place. Um, and then you apply the right people, right? But for me, I definitely need an operations person, right? Um, so I have that. She's great. And she can also write. And she's, um, she's the Swiss army knife. No kidding. Um, there's nothing she's uh, unfamiliar with. Uh, she's an SEO uh, 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 aficionado, if you will, which is super important. Uh, and then you've got to get, uh, you know, just some production, like a specialist in place. And I've got a very talented, uh, young woman, um, just out of, um, college that we, we've, uh, added to the team and she is brilliant. Um, she's got that growth mindset. She goes after stuff, gets it. She soaks up information quickly. She's, uh, uh, vastly coachable. So that's great. She's supporting, um, just all of the programs. Right. But in general, I need that operations person. I need a copywriter, AJ. Uh, I, I do copy, but I I don't pretend to be a great copywriter. I have a, a big respect for um, the right words. R- words 
are important. <laughs> uh, I, I need a graphic artist, right? That's getting interesting too. Um, I usually try to get a a, uh, a higher caliber um, designer for big projects or to set the tone for templates and stuff like that, and then rely on a lower cost, possibly offshore production designer to do fast turnaround stuff, because that always works great. Here's the concept notes, here's the art direction, and you get it in the, you know, you, you send that in the afternoon, the next morning you've got your um, your mocks, right? So um, uh, then you need events, right? You need somebody that can actually, um, it, it's odd right now, because you need events, right? But we we go to trade shows and we're going to be starting to do our own user uh, groups as well. Um, so you need somebody that has that sort of attention to detail and that bandwidth. It, their, their brains kind of work like Excel does, right? Like they know exactly what uh, the booth is due and where and getting shipped to here and there and making sure everything's stocked inside that booth, all that. Um, uh, and then... Um, uh, after that, then it's just okay. Looking at the business and saying, where where do we see, where do we see the fire? Where do we, where do we feel heat, right? Um, and applying resources there. What I mean by that is, if if you've got a social media, um, uh, if you're seeing a lot of growth coming out of, let's say, social media, you don't want to make that a secondary sort of thing. You want to get somebody in that really understands it. Um, runs social media well and and uh, drives it right. We we don't find ourselves in that position. We do have um, just a light, you know, social media presence. We're starting to reinvent that right now, though. Um, so it it really just comes down to build the building blocks. Who can make the pieces of the parts to run a content machine? Right, the con it can run a content uh, calendar, executing on campaigns. Um, and webinars and so forth. And really, we've got a playbook that the uh, president installed here at Safety Chain before my time, and it is honestly, it's pretty smooth. I could, I'll, I'll have to, I'll have to walk you through that, guys, sometime because it's uh, amazingly effective and extremely um, cost conscious. The RCPLs, you, you would die. I, I couldn't believe them. I actually was, I asked him when I was get, uh, when I was interviewing. Hey, can you, can, can you, you know, give me, you know, I signed an NDA really quick and I started looking at some of the, the, the key metrics and I actually thought I was like, oh, I don't know if I can keep this going. This is really good. <laughs> Great. Yeah, I think, uh, I, I think uh, I'm going to connect you with our marketing director to exchange <laughs> some ideas. Definitely. <laughs> so uh, Aaron, kind of, uh, we're coming to a close here. Uh, what, what's uh, with a title like VP of Marketing? I'm sure you get a, a lot of unsolicited emails. Are there, <laughs> you know, certain emails that you are more likely to respond to? What's typically something that grabs your attention? Yeah, so I uh, I pay for out of my own pocket a really interesting uh, email uh, service called Superhuman. So I'm going to plug them because I'm a big fan. Uh, most of that stuff is whisked away from my viewpoint, uh, and I never see it. However, I've, uh, I've in the last six months, um, actually responded to, I think one cold email, right? Um, and the only reason I did is cause it was an absolute spot on. I was working on it right at that moment. I was like, wait a second, you literally just are talking about something that's either, I can't remember if it's a challenge for me or an opportunity or something like that. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to pick the phone and call you and, and started talking with this guy. So it does still work um, with a 
title like VP, that was the the context. That's hard, right? Um, my advice for any email marketer um, is to try and interview some of those folks. Get to your customer base if you have uh, if you have some bandwidth there, and, and talk to your customers. What's the stuff that's getting through to them right now? Grab some, you know, liberate those ideas and make campaigns out of them. Because if you're not hitting something hot button at a VP level that they're working on right now, it's it's just not going to be there. And so if if that's the case, you know, you you do have to you, you just have to adjust um, uh, to to sort of what's going on. And I know we can't always do that. So try and have you know have that fallback be a okay if if somebody isn't going to respond to that email. Right. Well, what's the what's the secondary? What what's your real? What is your objective with that email? Sometimes it's not to do anything, but just to make sure that you're you're staying in touch with folks. Right. Hey, here's a here's an article we we wrote uh, based on something that you should be interested in because of your title. Hope you like it. Right. That's it. Start making sure that you you see some engagement there that you um, keep in in their inbox a little bit because we're seeing it right now. We heard out of our BDRs um, just just this week, right? Cause we just closed uh, second quarter. They said, I can't believe it guys. And they, they, you know, they heap kudos onto marketing, um, I, which is a great sign. They they're only working, you know, the, the gold inbound lead. So that's good. They, they said, yeah, this person from a top 20 account, we do some ABM stuff too, right? So this top 20 account um, had just been hanging out, opening up some emails, going to a couple of our webinars, right? Sound familiar? They hit up a blog post. They can see all this in the CRM. And finally got her on the phone. So finally, she's, she had the time, she had the moment, and she needed to talk now. And that's when it opened it up. So, you know, the, the, the real thing is, is what are you going to do for six months to that VP, right? Have a good plan for that. Because if you're providing value with your messages through all of those things that I was talking about, through the webinars, right? Through your emails, through your blog, okay? If you're providing value there, they're going to come to see you as a trusted source of information. Once you have that trusted source of information, you got them. It, it, they may not buy from you in the next six months, but they're, they're going to come back to you. They're going to keep And that's valuable. And is that so in your mind, are you really tough, Aaron, when someone's requesting you on LinkedIn? Do you kind of, do you, do you kind of look at that and you're like, you better have a compelling story. You better, uh, you know, cause, no, cause I, with LinkedIn, you know, that's different, right? You only, you know, you don't want someone messaging you four or five times on LinkedIn, right? You just want right. what, what, what there is going to have you say like, okay, you know what? Uh, I'll connect with you. Uh, so yeah. talk to me about that really quick. Uh, you know, and, yep. and then what's, what's a marketing pet peeve that you have? Maybe it kind of oh, goes yeah. hand in hand. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I'll, I'll walk you through. I just pulled up LinkedIn right on my computer while we're talking here. My um, visual path. So if you're a UX UI person out there and, and, and listening to this, you're going to love this. The only things I'm looking at, I don't look at your, uh, well, first of all, if you don't have a photo or a picture, I'm done. So Photo, yes. Realistic photo, because sometimes I, I look at them like, really, are you that supermodel and you're trying to use that? So that's kind of disgusting anyway. Then I'm going to look at how many connections we have in common. If you're down to one, two, if you're a handful, bye, right? If you get to like the 20 to 30, I then start to look at your title. What do you do? What's your little LinkedIn spiel? If your LinkedIn spiel is, I help companies, <laughs> done. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> 
uh, I click the X, right? If it's something more genuine, if it's a person, right, I might connect with them. But I, 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 I've just seen too many messages that is disingenuous. So I, for myself now, I'm like you, Vince, I take it very seriously. And I wish I did earlier on. I'm looking at seven, I'm coming up on 1800 connections. There's no way. Um, I think for me, complicating digital experiences for users and visitors and customers is the biggest pet peeve. I just see a lot of times that um, we don't honor people's um, rush to get to what they need, uh, their time, right? Make it easy, make it simple, make it pretty even, make it kind of comfortable. Um, I just, I myself have little patience for that. So I always try to take a design-led approach to those those types of things. I uh, also don't like it when um, marketers use decoration in favor of true design, right? There is a big difference between those two. Um, and if you don't know the difference, please go to IDEO, look up how to become a design-led sort of design thinking Install that into your creative processes and you will absolutely love yourself for it. So will your customers. Those are a couple of things I could go on, but no. That's no, I, I, I like it. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm the same way. I have a lot of, uh, I think just pet peeves in general. There's a lot of people don't know about me, you know, but, uh, you know, but Aaron, this is, this has been awesome. And we're already out of time because, you know, look, we're, we, we're friends. We've known each other a long time. We could certainly talk for another like four hours, but this sure. has really been, you know, this is going to be a very informative episode for people in marketing you know, on just kind of some steps, uh, some do's and don'ts, if you will. So we appreciate you sharing time. Uh, if you want to learn more about, uh, you know, Aaron and, and uh, a great presentation that he and I had called Revenue Chemistry, it's how to using data to drive marketing and sales alignment. It answers that old, you know, that old story and that old fight that still happens to this day between marketing yeah. and sales. That is available on demand at b2bmarketing.net. You could find Aaron Balshaw safetychain.com. Uh, uh, also Aaron Balshaw, I'm going to say his name, but you know, be careful on the LinkedIn side. You better have all those requirements before you reach out to him. <laughs> so, uh, but Aaron, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for, for always, uh, you know, helping us out at Starista and being a champion of, of our data and our brand. We do really much, very appreciate that. Uh, awesome stuff at safety chain. I wish I could have seen you in person, my friend, but the marketing stir Truly thanks you for joining us, and uh, we hope to talk to you again. Pleasure's mine. That is Aaron Bolshaw, the Vice President of Marketing of Safety Chain Software. I am Vincent Petrofessa. That is AJ Gupta. This has been another episode. Please keep listening. Subscribe, comment, like us. We appreciate it. Thank you, and have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Stir Podcast by Starista. Please like, rate, and subscribe. If you're interested in being a guest on the podcast, email us at info at themarketingstir.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>